0: Right, welcome back to another episode of the Two Wheel Rider Podcast presented by JT Motorsports. I'm your host, Mario Orsini, joined by Brian Boyer. <laughs> How long did it take us to figure everything out tonight, dude? I would hate to admit it on air and on record. I mean, Max, iPhone, like we did everything, and it all came down to a three point five millimeter to quarter inch adapter which I have, like, a dozen of at the house, but we got it figured out.
1: Yeah, the worst part is I had my IT guy on the phone and my uh, mechanic
0: here, and I figured uh, it'd be foolproof. Yeah, (laughs) honestly, I was hoping it would work out. But we got it figured out, and we're using, like, multiple devices, but at the end, I think we'll have a quality product, so... Also, it's like ten o'clock, and I started pacing myself on the makers mark as if we were going to start at eight thirty. So, apologies in advance.
1: <laughs> That's all right. I was up at three a.m. So, hopefully, we'll we'll keep it
0: together and crash shortly after this. Yeah, definitely going to crash after this. So, uh, we'll get into. The, uh, we won't actually get into this, Brian. We will touch on this a little bit rapid fire later on. But uh, what did you think of the uh, Supercross race?
1: Oh, the Supercross race was, was awesome. I mean, it's, uh, it's cool seeing some good battling with uh, Ken Roxon and Cooper Webb. And Cooper Webb's really uh, dominating.
0: Ken Roxon was battling this weekend? I must have missed that part.
1: <laughs> battling in the overall points according to uh, his interviews for sixth place, which I'm still not a fan of interviewing sixth place or fifth place or whatever he got.
0: I know. He got sixth. I still don't understand why Karen Roxon is being interviewed in sixth place. He'll never be on the podcast, so I can say stuff like that. But, yeah, it was just... It's weird. I mean, you know, to be fair, Justin Cooper got interviewed for the 250 race. He didn't finish on the podium, but he went 1-4-4 uh, for the first three rounds of of, uh, West Coast. But... I don't know. It's, it, it's been interesting to watch. It's been entertaining. I'm hoping we have a three-way battle coming down to the end of the 450 class, but I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Seth Hammaker because that dude, rookie, and he put in – I was down at the, his first race in Orlando. He put in a hell of a showing. His final result didn't necessarily show it. I think he finished, like, uh, eighth place. But he was fun to watch during practice, qualifying, heat races. Just didn't have it there in the main, but he put it together in the uh, first Arlington round and got himself his first victory in the 250 class.
1: No, it's been entertaining. I'm obviously enjoying the racing and even more so on the, the weeks like this week when we're having kind of the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. I mean, having those uh, three races there in a short time frame is pretty
0: cool. Yeah, so we are recording this on a Monday night. It'll go up on Wednesday. We obviously don't know the results of Tuesday, but I I doubt it. I doubt Karen's going to win, so but I could be wrong. All right, so we got a great guest lined up tonight. He's been on the podcast before. We'll get to that in just a few moments, but we have people we need to thank because they make this podcast possible. So at the contributor level, and if you don't know what these levels are, once again, you can head over to 2WRPodcast.com. You can also head over to Patreon.com forward slash Two-Wheeled Rider. Check out what the different levels are. We just added in an additional bonus for anyone, no matter what the level, you get 10% off anything on teespring.com in the Two-Wheeled Rider shop. We got a lot of new apparel out. 2 Wheel Rider podcast apparel will be added very soon. So, Contributor level, Luke Harding. We also have Dylan on Patreon, Alexander Marsh, Bean and Leaf LLC, and Bob Clayton. At the production crew level, we have Amanda Knapp from She Shall Ride, Morgan Graves, Travis Herman, Marshall3498, once again, YouTube name, not actual name. Joe Stelmack, Daniel Shepard. At the executive producer level, we have Jordan Roberts, also known as Dad Mode on YouTube. Jeff Monocchio, Joe Monocchio. You know what, Brian, at some point, I'm going to have to switch those two up. I don't want Jeff thinking he's more important than Joe, though he might have signed up just slightly earlier. Alan is. Paul Benton, Jeff Nolan, Brian Flickinger, Neil Pinch, Travis Miller, and Cal Dahl. Appreciate the support from everyone. Speaking of support, we are going to go to a quick commercial break to play our commercial for JT Motorsports. And when we return... We'll be back with our guest and in our interview. When Brian and I need something for our bikes, we head to JT Motorsports in Frederick, Maryland. It's not
1: just parts we buy. We also buy motorcycles. Recently, I picked up a 2020 KTM 1290 Super Adventure R. Yeah, I wonder where you got
0: that idea. But it is true. We don't just buy motorcycle parts. We also do buy motorcycles from JTs, and that's why I picked up a 2020 Husqvarna FE 350. That's right, I bought something that's not a KTM, but it is made off the same assembly line. JT's recently moved into a brand new, huge facility, conveniently located just minutes off of I-270 and I-70. Their massive showroom floor holds brand new models from Polaris, Can-Am, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Husqvarna, KTM, and now specialized e-bikes. If you haven't tried an e-bike, you have to. Those things are so much fun to ride. And for the wee little riders... Check out their line of Stasic Kids Bikes, which are the perfect way to get youngsters involved in riding. Their showroom floor also features a huge selection of riding gear, accessories, and other essentials to keep your machines running good and looking good. They carry some of the top brands in riding gear, including a and Climb. Need parts for your bike? They keep a ton of parts in stock and ship daily. Heck, you even have the option to call, email, or text your parts orders that in.
1: You if you don't
0: like working old. on your own bike, that's okay because they have a that full service right. department that will work on any maker model. Just mention the Two Wheeled Rider podcast when you call, email, text, or stop in the shop, and you'll immediately get a 10% discount on parts and accessories. Visit JTMotorsports.net or call 301 846 4318. And if you didn't write that down, don't worry. You can find it in the podcast show notes or YouTube video description along with their address. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, so a huge shout-out to JT Motorsports. Appreciate the support. Our guest today is the official timekeeper of the newly formed U.S. Sprint Enduro Series as well as Sprint Cross Country Series. He's the former... Youth coordinator of the East Coast Enduro Series and has four kids involved in youth racing. Please welcome back to the podcast, Andrew Sakonikis. Holy cow, you got it right. Good job.
2: Happy to be back, guys. Glad to be back. uh,
0: I don't want my balls busted anymore because I screwed that up so many times the first time. So um, listen, if you didn't catch the first podcast Andrew was on, we will have that linked in the uh, show notes below. If you're listed on the website, it'll be on there. Uh, Andrew, we did mention you have four kids involved in racing only because the fifth one is not old enough to start racing quite yet. Uh, I know the kids were down at GNCC this past weekend at the general. I saw Mo and Mason finished on the podium. Give us a little bit of rundown on uh, how the weekend went. It
2: was a it was a good weekend. We got a late start getting down there. Uh, got on the road late Friday because uh, we decided to get a new race rig, and uh, we had to get that thing set up. Had a little problem with the trailer brakes. Almost lost my cool there a little bit, but we got it. Uh, we got it under control. Got down there. Uh, we probably got down there about 1 a.m. Saturday. Uh, of course, the gates were closed at that point, so we slept right there off the road, got up at 6, got in, got in, got the kids signed up, uh, made it there for the 8.45 a.m. micro race. That's uh, Aubrey and Mora. Aubrey running the uh, 50 Senior 6.7 and Mora in the 50 Junior 2.45. Uh Aubrey's class super stacked, a lot of talent in there. I think there was thirty five or thirty six kids on that line, and uh, she had a she got tangled up in the first term with about ten other kids. She probably went in the the woods about thirtieth and uh, raced hard, charged all the way, came in. Uh, I think she was tenth or eleventh, eleventh, eleventh place in that one. So uh, made up a bunch of ground after going to the woods late and uh, super pumped on her ride there. And then, what's there to say about Mo? Uh, eye of the Tiger um, We were super Super scared we, So she's running that E50 And literally if you've ever been to uh, Aonia Pass Motorcross Park It's such a big place We decided to park over by the start area And I was so mortified That the battery after driving Over a mile to the starting line For the 50 race That it wouldn't last all the way So we trucked her bike to the tech inspection place We took it out Got her through tech. We got her to the micro start, which the micro started over by the finish line for everybody else because the, the adult and youth and everybody start was just so far away. They'd never get the micros back over to where the finish line was. Got her there, shut the bike off, you know, turn the battery off. Let's save the battery and uh, got Aubrey going. I ran back the two lines to Mo's class, turned her, turned her battery on, but forgot to set the battery to where it would let her take off. So everybody took off and Mo was still sitting there trying to twist the throttle. After you turn those uh, E-50s on, you have to hold the throttle backwards to get the thing to lock into what, uh, you know, motor setting you want it on setting for. I forgot to do that. So she took off a little bit behind, but, man, she passed uh, pretty much the whole half the class in the first corner and then uh, came around at the end of uh, lap one in in, uh, third place. But little crew Russell was right behind her, and she's had this thing where she can't beat that kid. Uh, He gets her every time later in the race and – she put her head down and, and and charged and finally got on the podium and I'd never seen a little girl so happy so it was
1: super rewarding. Yeah, hard work pays off, and I think we could probably do a whole separate podcast on what Andrew learns from this e bike selfishly, so I know what to to do when my my little ones are on it.
0: Yeah, because you can't turn a wrench to save your ass. <laughs> I can turn it, just it
1: always strips the
0: bolts They're wrong direction. Cross threading is tight enough, um, Mason. Mason finished on the podium as well. Yeah.
2: Another day. So Mason's always a a little bit of a frustration for me and his mom, because we know, uh, we know how good Mason is. And man, when you, when you take these kids, no matter how they do locally, you take them to, uh, the national stage, you know, the big starting line. I mean, it's crazy going to a starting line for a GNCC. Now they actually roll a trailer across the starting line with a full announcing station in it. And, uh, you know, you get these kids pumped up to go at, at 8 a.m. on a on a Sunday morning, and and Mason uh, usually struggles a little bit on that on that level, and uh, he got a great jump. Um, his start was really good. He was probably around you know fourth or fifth round in the first corner, and they had a little grass track section. They went in the the woods in seventh, uh, maybe after I don't know two tenths of a mile. Went in the woods in seventh place, and on the first lap they actually ran him into scoring about two and a half, three minutes into the race. And when he got over there, after going to the woods in seventh, you know, that's the first time I get to see how he's doing. And I see he's in 10th. So I said, here it is uh, another day. And we've been really trying to work on his aggression on the first lap. Uh, I try to tell all my kids, you know, you're pretty much going to finish at or around where you are at the end of the first lap in a race like this with the talent that's there. So he ended up, uh, you know, hitting that we'll call it maybe the half mile mark at uh 10th place knowing that he lost three places i thought it was going to be another uh tough race for mason but uh he came around 15 minutes later at the end of that full lap uh had had picked off four kids and put his head down and just kept charging the whole time um saw a lot of aggression out of him and he just slowly Slowly started picking kids up, and I think with two and a half laps to go, he had worked his way into a podium position in third. First and second were long gone at that point, but uh, he ended up gapping fourth a little bit, which I was proud of, and we uh, sacked family race and got two
1: podiums. Yeah, I think Andrew brings up a good point. and Some people in an hour-and-a-half race might go, well, why is a start so important? You you have the rest of the race to, to catch up, but I feel like it's because you get up there with the guys – that have the speed you get into their pace and you start chasing down the the rows in front of you and can get to them, you know, a little bit quicker and make sure that you're running the right pace and don't get caught with some of the, the back of the packs pace.
2: Yeah. I think a big frustration that, 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 that Mason's had is, is usually, you know, at the local level, they 85 seven to 11 line starts right behind the the 85, you know, 12, 15 or 12, 13, whatever it be. And he just, uh, at the GNCC level, they put the uh, the girls, the 85 girls in front of him. And if you look at the results, pretty much uh, half or even more of the 85, 7 to 11 class has to get through that whole girls row, you know, including the leader and all. So he, he struggled a lot with passing. That's something we stressed a lot going into the race. And I think that may have made a, a big difference for him.
0: Andrew, uh, Alston, uh, I believe his injury came at the U.S. Sprint Enduro Series, which we'll get into in just a few moments. Uh, talk us through his injury real quick and how he's recovering.
2: Yeah, so uh, U.S. Sprint Round 1 GTR Complex, uh, Day 2, Test 2. Uh, he was hungry after Day 1 uh, and pretty much said he was going to lay it down on Day 2 and he had a pretty good test and, and test one and then test two, literally, literally, it couldn't have been more than a hundred yards from the checkout at test two. He just got swapped in a really bad rough walk section from day one, you know, and these kids on day two, it's the first time they get to see the track that rough after, uh, all the adults tear it up, you know, Saturday afternoon and just caught a bad kicker, got him a little sideways the next, the next bump, uh pitched him hard he said before he knew it him and the bike were going backwards down the trail that it kind of spun him all the way around took a hard digger um of course you know unfortunately i, I wasn't right there to see it last year i would have been there i probably would have seen it i don't know if i wanted to see it from uh what a couple of the parents said uh it was a bad one and uh yeah was holding his shoulder. You could see his shoulder. It, it, it just looked like a displacement of the shoulder. Like he dislocated his shoulder. And uh, we we kind of wrote it off as that. He was in a lot of pain, but it really kept his composure. And talking to a lot of the parents, um, you know, some other kids, GNCC families, and, and, and guys that follow the sprints, he really held it together. We got him back. We got him checked out by the medical crew. Um, the medical crew, again, you know, thought it was just a dislocated shoulder. Uh, took good care of him, got him strapped up, got him set up, and said we should either transport or, you know, take him ourselves to a hospital. Uh, We waited a little bit knowing Austin. Austin is our our firstborn. He's a little bit of a sensitive child, but uh, also super tough. So we weren't really sure what was playing in there, if it was his feelings of of not finishing the race or if he was truly hurt. Um, After a little bit, Megan had kind of felt that, you know, he was in a little bit more pain than we wanted him to be in but we also wanted to be close to home being eight hours away down in in south carolina and take him to a hospital there um we wanted to take him back to somewhere we knew so mama bear strapped him in the front seat and she put the hammer down uh raced back up we were originally going to take him to children's hospital in dc uh, we've been there before with mason and they're great so uh we were going to head there but she had Alden with her and we needed to get him dropped off to somebody to watch him. She ended up taking him to Frederick Memorial. Uh, they x-rayed him there and saw there was actually a fracture uh, of his humerus right below the shoulder. And then the, the humerus had actually gone up way high and that's what was poking up in the shoulder. It wasn't a dislocated bone. It was actually the end of the broken bone there. Um, Frederick Memorial said, we're not touching this and ended up taking him to the children's in DC. And, uh, they were great there. They got him there at like 6 a.m. Monday morning, and by 8.30 he was in surgery. Got a couple pins in there, a couple tent stakes, and uh, he's on the men now.
1: So how is that mentally kind of from both? Like from him, I, I know it's got to be tough, not only the pain, but just the, the mental aspect at the beginning of the season. And then from a parent's perspective, how is that kind of seeing, seeing your kid kind of down and out after working so hard in the off season, getting ready for the season? yeah I mean that's
2: then that's definitely one tough thing because uh you know austin has been such a natural talent he he got super lucky with that, and he really hasn't worked as hard as some of the other kids had and and this year he really started to put it together and really started to work hard so uh I think mentally for him he wants to be at every race, and he he took the trip a week later all the way down to Florida just to, you know, be there with his brother and not miss being at the races. And I think it's mentally, you know, seeing his friends keep going and, and progress. It's going to be pretty tough on him as a parent and, you know, someone that's raced motorcycles for 30 years. it It is what it is. This happens. And uh, we always come back stronger,
1: right? Yep. It uh, teaches toughness. That's for, for sure. And I think the toughest kids end up being the most successful.
0: So, Andrew, before we get into the U.S. Sprint Enduro Series, we had a listener question come in. I promise we get this answered tonight. When reroutes happen during a race, or, or they're required due to course breakdown, conditions, etc., aka hangover, hair scramble. What are the rules specifically? Say a group of riders get through an area before new ribbon is is put up and a reroute causes them to ride a further distance or maybe get, you know, stuck, held up, whatever the case may be where the riders behind them are able to get through because ribbon's been put up and they're enabled a little bit shorter course, a little bit easier course. Is anything factored into the final results? Uh, or is it a case of bad luck? Like what is the, what is the AMA ruling on that?
2: Yeah, I don't know that there's really an official AMA rule. I'll, I'll tell you on, you know, we'll put a disclaimer about the Hangover Hair Scramble. Pretty much, the the luck that we've had with the Hangover Hair Scramble, uh, you can't write, write anything into the books for that one. But um, what's what we try to do on a, on a course worker and a and a promoter perspective is you want to make that change for the leader, the overall leader, you know what I mean? On course. So you're sitting there, you're at a bottleneck and it's tough and you you hate to send more people into that bottleneck or that mud hole, you know, they're going to get stuck in. But if you want to keep it fair or as fair as you possibly can for the racers and and the guys heading off is, is you, you make the change right there when the leader comes around. So, uh, That's what we try to do there at the hangover. Man, what a mess this year with the rain that we got that night. Um, I'm sure a lot of people got the short end on the reroutes there. As far as when you get back to the scoring guy, I try to explain scoring to everybody, man. We're just a check station in the woods. And when you come through there, we take your time. What happens between you leaving the scoring area and you coming back to the scoring area, I have no idea what happens out there. I know when you came through scoring, and I know when you came back through scoring – and that's what your lap time is. And, you know, clearly there can be protests or whatever there be. But, you know, as a scoring guy, it's all about numbers. This is what time you came through, and this is the next time you came through, and that's your lap time. What happens out there on the course, we don't really know. Uh, we rely on the course workers and, and whatnot to relay that back. And and we have made changes to lap times and stuff at, you know, the SXCS level if if something doesn't look right. And we've we've taken – you know, say a guy had a 20-minute lap and a nine-minute lap. we'll we'll just take that lap out, and he'll have one thirty nine minute lap. We try not to punish people because so, a lot of the times it's not their fault. They didn't mean to miss a section of the course or get off course or whatever. But that's kind of how we handle it on, on our end on a case-by-case basis with the big disclaimer being the hangover hair scramble. You never know what's going to happen there.
1: Well, especially from sweep riding, uh, many of those in the past, I think sometimes – you get to a point and you got 20 bikes stuck and I just go to the first bike, I start moving them out of the way. But as I can work my way back, I'm pointing out, you know, any line that doesn't require people getting buried and just getting around the the mess.
0: Yeah, I I think the question came in and the guy even, you know, prefaced it with, hey, I was racing it for fun. I just want to know what the ruling is. I'm not disputing anything. And, you know, it's one of those things where, I think everybody sort of gets it, you know, the promoter, the sweep riders trying to make it the safest possible, the most fun possible. And if you get one of those sections where we got 30 guys piled up because track gave out, you know, we found the bottom and it's really deep. We're just trying to reroute to, to make it. So it's passable for everybody. And there, you know, inevitably there's going to be a couple of riders that are going to get called out and, Sorry like about you, that, but if know. if
2: you go back to the rule book, anybody that, that, that had that messed up lap or whatever, technically you're disqualified. If you, if you got without the confines of the arrows, it's your job as a rider to follow the arrows and you're going to be disqualified. But you know, we realized that dude, they, they didn't mean to do it or whatever it be. So I'm not going to disqualify you, but that mo- nine minute lap doesn't count. We're going to add that back to your last lap instead of having a 30 minute and a nine minute. Now you got a 39 minute. Go see what you can do, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think that's where, like, the super muddy and crazy races, there's kind of those gray lines. Like, if I'm sweep riding, there's 30 bikes stuck, and I'm helping moving them out. And if we can go down and point out a, a better line 10 feet off to the right and not have a – the whole race is done if you have the whole – everyone just sitting in a line, and you're waiting for one, one, two guys to pull each bike out.
2: Yeah, and when you go to, like, the the, the sprint Dura format, what what we try to do is if there's an injury or – a course issue that comes up we can actually stop the riders from going out on the course will hold them so you know it may affect some people and maybe we can correct that or, or, or look at it if it's an issue but you know say there's a, a down rider in the middle of the course and a sprint enduro course is completely ribbon on both sides and you're not supposed to break the ribbon we get a call in that there's somebody hurting the course we can actually stop sending people out until we know that it's cleared and, and corrected
1: And I think that's a perfect segue into kind of our main topic tonight. And uh, I know, Andrew, you were a competitor in the full gas enduro series. An announcement was made at the end of 2020 that the full gas would not be happening in 2021. I know there was some uh, politics behind kind of the transition there, but a short time later, the U.S. Sprint Enduro Series was formed and really filled that that void of that type of racing and you know, to your point, it's um, a lot more controllable, and really, truly, that that fastest rider wins. Um, so, how was the U.S. Sprint Enduro Series started, and then can you s- explain some of the format of the series and what type of racing it is?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I I guess you could say a group of us that that uh, that raced the full gas at least you know last year in the 2020 season, um, spearheaded by Billy Schlag, um, a guy that had raced. Every single full gas since its inception. Never missed a single test, never dnf to test. Um, we were all actually pumped. Uh we did the full gas series last year, super excited. Ended up, you know, selling a two fifty to get a three fifty to try to be more competitive. Uh my brother Mike tagged along to every race, uh dabbling between his two fifty Yamaha and his three fifty Yamaha, said he wanted to come back for full gas in twenty twenty one, went up bought a brand new 300 TPI from uh JT motorsports plug. Um, all of us ready, ready to go, putting our head down to, uh, to go full gas race. And then, yeah, it was a huge, uh, huge upset when hoop, uh, decided to, uh, throw that in and we'll get into it later. But after helping with one round, I completely applaud him <laughs> for, for doing that. It's no easy task, but, uh, that's kind of how it started. Uh, I, I think Billy, you know, being so tied to that series for so many years, wanted to keep it going. Uh, he kind of had a support group group from uh, his Cora SXCS guys from his series up here in, in Maryland, Virginia area. And uh, he said, uh, let's go race. And I know he tried to uh, keep that full gas name, I believe. I don't know all the details behind it. Uh, don't want to get too deep into that. Cause like you said, it's politics of the sport and I'm just here to keep the, keep this stuff going. But, uh, ended up not being able to get a workout in time for the twenty one twenty twenty one 2021 season and, uh, decided that, uh, we had to get things going, started the U S sprint, got himself a website, got himself a crew behind him and, and pulled it off in like four and a half weeks to get to the first round.
1: Yeah, I think that's what the crazy part is. It's, uh, one a lot of coordination goes into it a lot of effort um you got to put a team together um and I think it's pretty impressive how quick it got put together can you touch just a little bit on what exactly like the format of the series is and how the racing and what type of racing it is
2: yes absolutely uh sprint racing is a race against the clock Uh, that's the best way to put it to anybody is you are racing your time uh we're going to put you through two sections. One's going to be an open grass track section. The other one's going to be a tighter, a uh, little slower, hopefully, uh, wood section. And we're going to pretty much put a stopwatch on you for each time. And we're going to make you do each of those, uh, those tests three times for a total of six. And uh, at the end of the day, the one with the lowest time wins. It's truly, honestly, a form of, you know, fastest guy wins. We even, between tests, try to reset you and send you back out on the course on how you're doing on the day. So, you know, if you're second in your class, uh, for the day so far, after three, four or five tests, we're going to put you out second in your class. And, uh, you know, I raced the whole series for my first time and, uh, 2020 and man, what a format. And the fact that it's, it's basically you against everybody else by yourself. I think, uh, Probably all year long through all the tests that we did. I probably only passed about three people all year long with the format. So you're literally, it's just you against the clock. How fast can you go? And, and uh, I love it personally. I'm super sad
1: to miss out on it. <laughs> yeah, now, now you got to do the work. But I, I think that's what's kind of so cool about it. Like, one, I think it helps us get us more competitive in the ISD. And then, two, it's like, okay, I'm in third place. I n second place is starting in front of me. If I can catch them or get close to them, I'm gaining time. And if you can't catch them, okay, I lost time there. if the person behind me catches me. I think it just makes it super exciting, high intensity.
2: Yeah, there's a little I mean, it seems like super simple. Oh yeah, I just I just check in, or raise the clock or whatever. But there's 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 games that you play there, you know. If you if you're gonna go into a test section and say you're sitting in second and the guy in front of you is seven seconds ahead of you on the day, so why not start nine seconds behind him, and if you can finish right on his tail, you're either tied or, or doing better with him on the day. It, uh, there's some excitement there that people don't see that that really drawed me to it.
1: And, and a little bit of a you know, thinking aspect of it, too, because you could kind of go in maybe just to mess with him, and you can kind of go in a couple seconds behind him and just – Try to key off the lines. Maybe if you don't have your lines laid out, or to your point yeah, before, I mean,
2: we the the rule is you got to leave at least five seconds. But even five seconds, for the most part, you can key off of somebody, and you'll see. You know, the guys that you know, maybe you're losing ten or fifteen seconds. And I and I I've done it myself. You know, I was always a little little quicker than the guy that I was racing in the in the cross test, but he would beat me in the enduro test. So uh, when the cross test come, you know if he had beaten me good enough in the uh, enduro test that he would start in front of me in the cross test, I would give him 15 seconds cause I could make it up. But you know, when we would go into the enduro test, if he started in front of me, I wouldn't give him that much time cause I wanted to see if I could uh, catch him and key off him. So like you said, it's a little bit of a game.
0: What's your role in the series at this point, Andrew, you just admitted you're not racing this year. What, what are you doing for the series? So, uh, if we go
2: back a couple of years, I've, I've, uh, I've assumed a role of a scorekeeper, timing guy. Uh, I started – I mean, I don't even know what it was now. Maybe five years ago with the Junior Enduro Series, four years ago, for the ECA Junior Enduro Series doing their their Sprint Enduro scoring. Uh, Did that for a couple years before that uh, didn't continue. And then when Billy and Nancy started their SXS Series here – they had contacted me about doing the scoring for them there, which uh super cool, f- cool format there with the GP, the sprint, and the hair scramble um, series there, three-format series. Did that for the last two, three years, um, and then when they decided to, to do this, I inherited the role of uh, being that scoring guy.
1: With the series of the scoring, uh- I go back to kind of the air airplane pilot that goes the, the airplanes just fly themselves. Cause we got computers, it's all computer scoring, right? So you just sit back there, drink, drink your beer. Um, or so may, some may think, um, what's truly behind and what are some of the challenges of the role with scoring? Yeah.
2: i tell you at the, at the SXCS level. Yeah. There's beers of flow and plenty, but, uh, man, the, uh, <laughs> the, the pressure of scoring, you know, the top factory guys and, uh, having those guys there it's a it's a long day i tell you uh I mean going back to GTR complex round one we had a lot to get done there going into that so I actually got down there Wednesday night finished building a bunch of stuff and getting stuff going and and it was 12 hour days Wednesday through Sunday um I mean it's tough I tell you it was it was a lot more than I thought that I had uh originally signed on for but you know seeing the the positive press and everything that came out of that and and it was uh definitely rewarding i mean the the day starts off early with getting all the sign up computers set up and ready to go for the girls when they they get there at uh, at seven and then getting all the check stations set up and everything it's it's definitely not as uh sit back and relax as you think um But uh, at the same time, it's a thing that I really can't help myself with. I, I tell people it's like a disease. I can't not want to help with something. I even go to a GNCC level where they have hundreds of paid people working there. And I'm like, Hey, what can I do to help?
0: So round one was a few weeks ago. Round two is coming up real quick. Any key takeaways or learning moments for you or the rest of the staff that you're going to implement that you learned from round one?
2: Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of just uh, communication. A lot of people didn't didn't see that. I want to say it was uh, day two, Woods test number two. We didn't make the change between micro and youth, and we sent the youth class out there. Luckily, uh, Chris Weiss was – was uh going out first and he knew just to blow right through the ribbon which was perfect as i do you did the right thing smart kid so a little bit of communication because at that point we were a, a day and almost a half into racing and it just worked perfect and i just thought hey i don't need to ask anybody if the course has changed over you know what i mean we've done it six times already perfect uh so a little bit of communication things and then on the scoring side, you know, we learned a ton the first day, some database settings, some some software settings that we didn't have right that, that kind of screwed us on having uh, online scoring on day one, um, which on the same time I'll say was, you know, kind of a good thing because I don't think people were ready for it. There was a lot of questions with how the online scoring worked. So I think to throw everything at them on day one might have actually caused more questions than it did. So uh, – we had that problem on day one, got it fixed for day two. We had a couple, uh, both rider and we'll say it, human errors on day two, accidentally bumped a button to turn a reader off that we had to go back. And we run uh, camera systems that are the timed camera systems that are synced to our computer times. So we can see if anything like that happens. We had to go back and fix some from scorecards for about three or four pros uh, cross te- cross test 1 on day 2 but again dude the 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 crew came together and we really for a new series even though we're guys that have worked together you know in the past man really came together and and worked great
1: yeah i think uh you make a good point cuz there's a whole different level when it's coming kind of to to those pro riders um and you mentioned kind of the new series obviously it's a Um, a similar format to full gas series. Uh, Is there anything that you feel is different or unique from the full gas with this new series since you've been able to run um, the full gas and now that you're on the U S sprint enduro side?
2: Uh, Unique. I'm not, uh, not, maybe not unique, maybe a little different, whatever. I mean, honestly, as I had said earlier, this was us trying to fill the void of something that we were kind of passionate about and uh, we didn't want to change it much there was a bunch of talk about maybe adding like a third, uh, extreme test, uh, instead of just having the two test format, going to a three test format and going back and forth on maybe having it one day for the pros one day for the amateurs. And it's still stuff that's kind of on the table, but for the most part, you know, when, when Billy or Nancy would, would ask me about this stuff, I was like, dude, it's, really a well-walled machine let's let's keep it going because this is what the riders really enjoyed and are, are used to so for the most point or for the most part we we try to keep it as similar as we could
0: so Andrew three of the rounds actually overlap with SXCS the I'll call them traditional SXCS riders racers what should they expect the difference to be when they show up at one of these overlapping rounds for U.S. Sprint Dura? Well, we're going
2: to have to work the details on that still because uh, Billy and I are still, I guess you could say, I wouldn't say butting heads on it, but have a different opinion on that. Um, my original opinion with with you know, U.S. Sprint being the, the premier series and, and, and what that race is, is I really wanted to look at that as – sxcs is tagging on with u.s sprint not u.s and sprint is tagging on with sxcs or they're they're the same so we've been trying to work a deal where uh our sxcs riders love them um come to the u.s sprint in their sunday one day only points count um towards their sxcs championship i think i'm gonna keep plugging in in billy's ear i'd like to see my sxcs crew come for both days and both days count for their uh for their championship i think that the more we can get our local crew and 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 the whole reason that i came from the eca over to sxcs is to build this local mid-atlantic region you know racing series i'd like to see our riders come and and run both days and see how they can stack up on the that level of racing
1: Yeah, and ho- hopefully they kind of get hooked to uh you know, both series, I think they're, they're both very well run. And I think it's a a great stepping stone to start an SXCS. And then as you get more comfortable, you can kind of jump into the the bigger series and it's pretty cool too, because you can race and then watch the pros. And I think that leads into kind of the next question.
0: Hey, hey, Brian, just be prepared. You got to dig my bike out two days, not just one day.
1: No, I think,
2: uh, wait, did he race the first SXCS? I can't remember.
0: No, no, I haven't, I haven't raced this year. Is that your drop? I don't, I'm not prepared to say what I'm doing yet. I'm just saying John Ross has got my bike tuned. I've been out riding. I will be racing in 2021, probably a couple series. I'm at that point that later this year I can bump up to senior class.
1: So he's training for that. His bike is more tuned. Hey dude, I got (laughs) to tell you, there's nothing more I look forward
2: to than senior class i'm legit counting the days
0: well i'm glad you'll be in senior a and i'll still be in senior c thank god for me (laughs) yeah good stuff
1: so does i think you already touched on it and it was information new to me about kind of the camera backup but does the organization of uh, a level of racing where you're having factory team pro riders they're making a living and then the factories have a lot of funds in into this, and a lot of effort. Does that change the organization for a series like this compared to your local series? I mean, for us on our on 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 what we're doing,
2: I mean, legitimately scoring as far as the computer and the software and whatnot. Scoring a US Sprint, it's the same exact work as what we do at SXCS or uh, what we did it I did for ECA with the Junior Enduro Series, you know. On what we're doing as far as timing but you know making sure there's no errors like the the little human error we had day two cross test one you know but well, you got to think about that and and the gentleman at KTM auntie the the team manager there explained like when there's an error and we had to get it fixed and the way these computers work is as soon as it goes through, you know, it's uploaded to the internet immediately. Whether it's fixed or not, I got to go in and fix it. And the the mental aspect for these pro riders and what it can do if there's a a small scoring error, you know what I mean? It could ruin their whole day, you know what I mean? It's a huge mental thing. Uh, So just being, being as accurate and having that electronic backup when we did have a little snafu to be able to get those guys' times back, you know, to exactly what they were supposed to be so everything's fair at the end of the day um that's the stress and that's kind of the difference and we do the best we can and we get it accurate every time you know whether we have to fix it or whatever we have to do
1: uh i won't go to sleep that night unless it's right yeah well we've seen that even at the the amateur level um in the past with um i know the 8 hour race <laughs> you were literally in the middle of the night after being up for for Ryan, eight hours you when-
0: can't talk about the 8 hour race <laughs> Yeah, you can't you, that's, you can't that's talk sensitive about it. man <laughs>
1: yeah no but i think it's it's a good point because i think there's probably still a big difference when there's um you know the factory teams that are, are there compared to you know drunk me that comes up with his beer can and asking. i mean that but that's that's
2: the crazy thing for me and if if you know me as a person or whatever it it doesn't matter if you were 13th place in, in C40 plus or you were first place in pro one, I'm going to make you sure your score is exactly what it's supposed to be. And that's just kind of the way I roll. And that's one thing that, you know, Billy will tell anybody because he's worked with me for a couple of years now that, it okay, it might not be right or something might be wrong. You're going to guarantee that I'm going to get it 100% right.
0: And, and having been up there at the scoring table, whether I'm announcing or whatever I'm doing, like we have had people walk up and said, hey, this happened, this happened, whatever. And, you know, I'm able to pull Andrew aside. and It's always able to be fixed. So you don't have to worry about your finish. If, if that's what you finished, Andrew does his best to make it right. So, Andrew, one of the things I think everybody just thinks we show up and, and the you know what? The ribbon fairies put everything up. It's all perfect. It all takes itself down. You've been behind the scenes. So, what is it that people don't understand about the setup and teardown of a course, specific in this case to U.S. Sprint and Duro? That just give us a little bit of behind the scenes.
2: I mean, as far as U.S. Sprint's concerned, you know, my my main focus at GTR was. Was the scoring set up and getting that right for the first time? But having that radio on all day long and listen to the guys and and everything we've done through um, the SXCS sprints, uh, GPS hair scrambles and stuff like that. Man, killer crew! Like I am not gonna call it a scab crew by any means because legit our, our our top guys were the guys that made the trip down there for GTR um, as early as Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and and really put the work in and and it's kind of humbling. It's kind of like, wow, you know, we, we pulled this all together, but then you get to the, through the weekend and everything goes well, you know, we're in there scrambling, we're getting out of trophies. And then you walk out of the scoring trailer and realize as long as it took you to set all that stuff up, you walked out of the scoring trail, the parking lot's empty. It was, it was used and and them riders are gone and they may have enjoyed it during the day, but it's like, man, I did all this work for three days straight and Everybody came in here, tore it to pieces, and now they're gone.
1: <laughs> and there's still a bunch of ribbon and stakes. Yeah, there. there's
2: still ribbon and stakes and broken stakes and ribbon and broken stakes.
1: Yeah, I think many people, uh, you know, don't get that. And I think until you t- truly volunteer, and I think yeah. in this series especially, like I get the courses shorter than like you know your ten mile hair scribble loop, but there's a lot of stakes out there.
2: Yeah, to are ribbon the whole thing. Like I said, uh on the sxcs level it's like a sprint yeah sure man that's no problem because we don't ribbon the whole thing end to end you know what i mean we we mark the corners and hopefully we're in a grass track where we can cut hay or whatever and, and define it with the with the field but man the uh, bork and eric on that side by side for days driving stakes. uh billy had a guy that came over and helped uh him all week long and then the the crew just getting in there and and throwing it down for, for, to put that together for two days for our first time. You know what I mean? Super pumped for those guys. Everybody's happy. Um, and they're
1: ready to go this weekend. Are they slinging hammers for all those stakes? I saw those other things that have kind of the weed whacker engines. Dude, are they just We keep it. We keep it old school, babe. <laughs> nice. Three pound sledgehammers all day. If you're lucky, we'll give you a four pounder um so i know you touched on this a little bit before um with the close competition and be able to start um, with your competitor but what else do you feel is like so attractive about this type of racing
2: you get that 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 camaraderie between riders and even maybe that was something in the you know i'm not super social with with people i'm racing against i actually hate them on the inside but must be that moto side (laughs) yeah it must be coming from a motocross background but Uh, man just last year racing that full gas series and uh meeting some guys and then becoming facebook friends with them or instagram friends and you know our kids racing together a couple of the guys man it was just in between tests you could talk while you're waiting to line up for your test you could talk um you know thumbs up six times a day between six different tests and uh i think that's really what drew it to me you know with like Coming from a motocross background, where it's you sit underneath your easy up and and think about how you're going to destroy your competitor. <laughs> we're at the 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 full gas, you know, giving each other thumbs up, seeing who can beat who through each test. So it's I like I like that side of it the most, I think.
0: So Andrew, anything in terms of growth or areas of the series you could see that are going to draw more people in to, uh, to racing? I mean.
2: Everybody says, you know, if you're a motocross guy, you can you can come over and race full guys because it's a little more open. I even saw Baylor posted something earlier today, I think, sharing the Shoals post saying, you know, fun for motocrossers too. So um, can definitely drag those guys in. I think one thing that, that U.S. Sprint is going to do, maybe one of the biggest things that they may improve over the full gas series is is the youth, and you guys have known me. Super involved in youth racing, you know, being youth coordinator for the ECA, which is, you know, in my opinion, one of the largest youth organizations probably in the country. Um, and what we did there with that and bringing youth racers in there and just watching them go from, you know, even if it's my daughter's racing in fifties this year, and maybe I get one in the 65 and then the 85 all the way up through to where they're uh, racing in the main event.
1: Yeah. Th- I think that's a perfect segue into kind of our next question around youth riders. Um, you already kind of touched how this is a, a great thing for the youth, but is there there's something that's attractive for maybe the youth rider that's just getting started? Is this a good format um, to kind of dabble your feet before maybe you go to some of the, the other bigger races? Um, I feel like with a shorter course, maybe this kind of helps the parents where they can see their kid, etc.? Yeah, definitely, and that's one thing we always
2: pushed when, when, when Mike Sigety got the junior enduro stuff going with the ECA was you're not going to get mowed over by a faster guy. You know what I mean? We're going to put the fast people out first, and we're going to move our way down the line, and that's the way that we do it in U.S. Sprint. I mean, at U.S. Sprint, a 65 could go before 85 after the first test. We know who's faster and, and who's better, so we, we line up the youth um, which is a little different than the adults. The youth we line up by overall on the day. So when you're going out there, again, you shouldn't be passing anyone or getting passed by anybody or, or getting mowed over on lap two by the leader, overall leader, if you're, you know, a slower kid that, that, that hasn't even completed a lap yet before they're getting lapped. So definitely one of the biggest, you know, draws for a new rider to come to the sprint series is you get to come out there. You get the race. You get to see how you stack up against people, but you don't have to be worried all day long about the kid on the super mini that's going to mow you over because he's going for the win. Which, yeah, you can't blame him. He's he's trying to win the stuff. So that's one of the biggest things for I think growing it and getting people comfortable to come comfortable to come into that type of racing.
0: So, Andrew, last question before we take a quick commercial break. Your kids race the US sprint and round one. What did they have to say about it? That's a tough one.
2: <laughs> I mean, Austin said, damn, this hurts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that injury. I'm sure. Um Mason Mason really enjoyed it. Uh he's I wouldn't say he's in a super tough class, but um the one kid that he's racing there, Braden Baisley, is like next level fast. Uh on an 85 and I love that he can, can try to race that kid and beat that kid's times or try to match that kid's times or try to cut down on that kid's times. And afterwards he can sit underneath the tent and talk about with the kid about how he tried to beat his time. You know what I mean? So Mason really enjoyed it. Uh, Aubrey and Mo. I mean, Aubrey had actually like a, a breakout ride for her on the 50. I think she was third overall on the weekend in the micros and there was maybe like 16 she she actually came out and said dad do you know that if you go faster in the sand it's easier
1: (laughs) Uh, okay okay, honey teaching dad something there (laughs) keep going fast
2: keep going faster babe i haven't been telling you that for two years and then uh mora mora had was in full tears on day one not quite sure why uh I think it was just the loose sugar sand down there at GTR because it hadn't been ridden by big bikes yet. She was washing the front end and it was full meltdown mode. Day two, never seen her smile so much because I think she got in that hard pack rut
1: from the from the pros the day before and yeah, she hadn't had a better time. I, you brought up like a really good point that I think is also amazing about this type of racing. So you mentioned about Mason and the the kid that You know, he's battling, and and it's a little bit faster. Over the course of an hour and a half racing, there's a a significant kind of minute gap there that can add up. But when you're talking about this racing, it's way more uh, minimal, and then you're resetting, and then maybe you learn something in that first test, and you can try to get a little closer. It's not that, well, I saw him for a little bit, and then he left me. Like, you're picking up things, you're battling. It keeps you encouraged and and pushing. Yeah, you can see that guy uh,
2: right in front of you over and over again where yeah at a GNCC over an hour and a half they could gap you by two three four minutes and in a sprint format it's 20 seconds in a test so when you look at that 20 seconds at the end of one test compared to four minutes at the end of an hour and a half you're like okay 20 seconds that doesn't seem so bad but you see four minutes you're like I can never make that
0: up yeah for sure so Andrew we are going to Take a uh, quick commercial break. When we come back, we are going to hit you up with rapid fire and then uh, Brian and I will uh, end it up. So we will be back in just a few moments. Hey guys, Mario here. If you'd like to help support the two wheeled rider podcast, head on over to patreoncom forward slash two wheeled rider on there. You'll find a few different options for as low as $2 a month. You can be a contributor and for as high as $10 a month, you can be an executive producer. We also have production crew in between be sure to check out what you get at each different level. But I think the coolest one is probably the executive producer level for $10 a month where you will be granted early entry into any two-wheeled rider riding event. And if you followed those events in the past, you know they sell out in minutes. Actually, the last one in seconds. So it's pretty much the only way to guarantee that you're going to get a spot. Don't want to mess with Patreon? Head on over to 2 and click on the membership tab. On there, you'll find all the same options we have on Patreon Plus, a one-time contributor option should you not want to subscribe or maybe you'd like to be the whiskey sponsor. I'll let you read up about that over there. In addition to all of those options, at different tiers, we'll be giving away different prize packs. When we hit $100, we gave away a $100 Rocky Mountain ATV gift card. When we hit $250, it will be something else and so on and so on. But if you don't want to support us monetarily, that's okay too. We just hope you enjoy listening to the podcast and maybe share it with a friend. <laughs> All right, so that is how you can help support the podcast. We're back with Andrew Sakonikis. We're going to hit up rapid fire. I will take the first question. Andrew, I don't want to say they're one-word answers, but we'll keep them short, especially with this one. Beer or whiskey? Both. (laughs) I like that answer. In
2: the same night. I I do, too. In no random order (laughs) or in no, no specific order. (laughs) that
1: was a good answer two stroke or four stroke four stroke i was gonna say i haven't seen you on a two stroke in a long time webb or roxon roxon sorry i know you don't love karen but
2: i remember the original days of of cooper webb man and he was such he was
0: way worse than
2: roxon is right now as far as wow wow baby
0: so let me just go back because that was an open-ended question Rocks him because you think he'll win the title or rocks oh, him because no, you like no, him more than Webb? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um of your children, which one will ultimately be the fastest? Uh context.
2: Mm. Uh man.
0: In their class.
2: Right now, we'll put it dude, that way. I, I gotta keep it real for Mo. You know what I mean? But if I had to if I had to guess, it would be Alden, even though he's never thrown his leg over a bike. I mean, it's progression, right? I mean, eventually, by number five, I got to
1: get it right. Makes sense. <laughs> well, and I feel like each kid kind of helps along. Like he's got more examples to to help out. I
2: mean, at at eighteen months, he's in, I caught him in the garage trying to start a PW50. So I don't
1: <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that
2: okay. kid, but he's got
1: the itch. He's gonna be an animal. Oh, gee. All right,
0: Brian, you got the last one. All right,
1: pass, that's it. <laughs> I'm just be shocked if he actually uh, watches either of these better YouTube videos, Mario or Brian. Embarrassing. <laughs> no. Better YouTube videos, man.
0: Who, who are you subscribed to? Either one
2: of us? Dude, I was your 10,000th subscriber, dude. Come I know on. I know. That's why I'm just
1: asking. Are you subscribed
2: you were, to Brian you were, at you all? You were floored that I wasn't a subscriber. I was just waiting until the right moment. And guess <laughs> what I got in the mail for that? nothing
1: yeah you know what he told me he said whenever you get 9,999 subscribers <laughs> yeah. I'll subscribe yeah. <laughs> but the boyers what is that <laughs> yeah dude, I do need a rebrand uh
2: there. no dude honestly you guys know me and and I don't have five minutes to myself you know the wife and kids are down at the shoals right now I had five minutes to myself tonight and here I am on a podcast so there's still no time to myself but I enjoy them both, guys. All one of each of them that I've seen.
0: It was a very political answer. <laughs> I like the honesty, though. I'm sending some two-wheel rider swag here this week. 10,000 subscribers better get something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need to make him a T-shirt.
0: <laughs> Dude, I haven't posted anything in like two months. We're about ready to hit 20K. So if you want... Don't worry, worry. you're about to be
2: down
1: one, but when 20K comes up, I'm going to get some more (laughs) slack. It's going to be hilarious because he's going to be your 10,000 subscriber, your 20,000 subscriber, your 50,000. he's going to be
0: sending us a text message in the group text being like, unsub, (laughs) wait, 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 wait. Oh, I got it. It's like a game. (laughs) Listen, Brian, anything you wanted to cover tonight we didn't hit up? Yeah, just one question. So at the last
1: race, I heard there was a sweep rider that potentially was blocking... The, the course any insight to to that
2: dude he had to go there so supposedly aubrey's dad was out there blocking the course and like pushing kids out of the way but aubrey's dad hadn't left the scoring trailer since you know midnight on wednesday when i got there so now nah, it was funny um if anybody knows me uh being in the role that I was with ECA or SXCS, I'll disqualify my own kid. I'll disqualify my best friend's kids. I've done it, and I would do it again. But I guess somebody thought that Aubrey was getting an unfair advantage, and uh, they thought Dave was me. If anybody knows Dave, I'm I'm offended that, <laughs> that you thought that I was Dave because that dude got neck tattoos and is super ugly. But <laughs> I think it was uh, – It ended up being Jason or something, and it was like I cornered Jason at the end of the weekend. I mean, I think this might have happened Saturday for all I know. Uh, No, actually, it happened Sunday while I'm in the middle of worried about my kid who broke his shoulder. We're getting accused of being like cheaters or something, and uh, I ended up by the end of the day is over after I'm crying in the scoring trailer because I stayed at the racetrack to score this event while my kid was – driving to a hospital and getting transferred to another hospital and getting surgery and the whole nine yards um, cornered the sweep rider, got the real story of what happened. There was a kid that was in front of Aubrey. They fell in a turn. He was picking the kid up at the same time that Aubrey was coming. And just like I would do, or any other sweep rider would you let the kid that's moving go while you're picking up the other kid or, or something. If that's even what happened, who knows? No GoPro, no GoPros anymore. So who knows what happened? But, uh, uh, very sensitive. Uh, had to talk my wife off the edge on that one because if there's anybody that's more competitive than me, it's it's my wife. Um, but thanks for that
1: question, Brian. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, not a problem. Appreciate the insight.
0: Well, I mean, it. the other question you could ask is, you know, what drunken idiot decided to punch uh, uh Walker Fowler. Yeah, Walker Fowler in the face for running over his wife. I mean, I mean there's I mean, all kinds and, and, of stuff. There's all kinds of drama. In the end, they're all racing. That I'm
2: stuck in the scoring trailer because my kids would overroll everything if I was out on the course, dude. <laughs> you know
1: what
0: I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, radio bat. I mean, if you know anything about Andrew, he's holding his kids accountable and even his friends. If If they don't perform the way he thinks they should, he's chucking – Mostly empty beer cans. I hit cans you one time with a beer can, finish Mario. Line.
2: I don't know you're so sensitive about this. Oh, I mean, it made for a good video. Here's the fact. Oh. It was a 30-minute moto, and you didn't make the last lap. You needed to be punished, okay? You got lapped.
1: <laughs> fair and, enough. And to be fair, I know Andrew, he drank that beer, and there was probably something else in that can when he threw it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was in that it can. Wasn't, it wasn't lemonade, it. bud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Andrew, anything else we need to add in? Uh, no, guys. Thanks for, uh, for
2: uh, having me back. I've Actually, I haven't seen a bunch of YouTube videos, but we've been doing a lot of traveling for racing. Uh, I have enjoyed some, some of these podcasts. I, I got last, uh, actually for GTR, got to listen to both uh, the Becca Sheets and the Craig DeLong podcast
0: and really enjoyed it. So keep them coming. No, I I still don't understand how we've gotten such, no offense against you, Andrew, how we've gotten, like, national champions on the podcast. Hey, man. Like, that all, still blows
1: my mind. Uh, all it takes is a course Light, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, so, sure. I do want to kind of touch on uh, this weekend, right? What's the, the schedule look like? We got a U.S. Sprint Enduro coming up, right? Yeah, man, this
2: weekend. Uh, the Shoals, uh, the... Uh, Woods family and, and, and Stu Baylor's, uh, set up down there. I got to see it, uh, Sunday afternoon. We left, uh, from Aonia pass from the GNCC. I took the family there, left them there for the week, grabbed a plane back so I could come back and make the money so we can, uh, keep doing what we're doing. What a cool place, man. I'm telling you like, uh, parking might be a little weird. I haven't quite figured that out in my mind yet, but Man, you get up on that hill there where we're plugged in and we got a nice sweet hookup with water and sewer, and if you don't have one and you hear this on Wednesday and you're going to go, call down there, call, talk to Tracy, uh, get a hookup. Man, every direction you look except for one, there's motocross tracks, jumps, turn tracks, this, that, the whole nine yards. It's like legitimately, I guess, Stu's playground. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Awesome. So while you're down there, just drop the name Two wheeled Rider podcast to Stu. Well, I was joking.
2: I I, I think Mason Mason stayed last night at uh, the Woods House. Uh, I said, you know, by the end of the week, he'll be drinking beers and chilling out on Stu's couch before we know <laughs> it. You, you know, Mason.
1: Well, but, yeah, he'll, for sure. He'll be
0: he'll be hanging out in his camper. All right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed tonight's podcast. Listen. If you want to go out and try out some racing, whether it's US Sprint and Duro, it's SXCS, whatever the case may be, you got a dirt bike, you want to go race, go check it out. You're you'll be sure to see Andrew at all of them because he's going to be scoring them. Brian will be picking bikes up. I don't know. Maybe I show up at a GP. Maybe I show up at a Sprint and Duro. Maybe I show up at a Hair Scramble. I got to race something at some point. So. Yeah, and just
1: a little. Little plug. You, you see that guy up there working hard at scoring, and maybe one of the sweep riders. You know,
0: buy him a beer. Him a beer.
1: It goes a long way.
0: Yeah. Or do like Noah does. Just walk through the pits and ask for a beer for the scores. <laughs> I mean, I tell everybody come man, back you with know, three or four. I
2: promise that your scoring will be a hundred percent accurate. I promise it'll happen faster if you have a beer with you. <laughs> <laughs> you got I like
0: that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So. Brian, uh, tonight's podcast, would I always like to recap these things before we sign off? Your thoughts?
1: No, I think, once again, I feel like it's a repeating theme. I always learn a ton. Uh, I think this was great insight to some of the behind the scenes of racing. I know a lot of people just show up and and they race. This gave some behind the scenes on the work that goes into it. And then also some behind the scenes of why you should come out and just give it a try. And if you haven't tried one, just get out there and do it. You, you Trust me, you'll no, enjoy
0: it. I- I agree. Whether you trail ride, ride by yourself, whatever, go out and try out a race. You're going to have a good time. Doesn't matter if you finish first, last, somewhere in between. It's a lot of fun. You're going to get a lot of new friends. And I kind of equate it to, because I've done these things, you know, pick up basketball games or poker games. It's tough to get in the first one because you don't know where to go. But then once you do it, you're going to get invited everywhere. And that's just one of the benefits uh, it was great to have Andrew on. Fortunately for you, Brian, I think he could make a great co-host, but he's kind of busy with with all the children. So it's, your job is still safe. Job your security name's still on the uh, on the <laughs> logo. But uh, no, I, I had a good time tonight, and uh, I'm looking forward to showing up at one of the uh, probably cross-promoted U.S. Sprint and Duro SX. You better Spins. get to the
2: golf course, man. Who knows? It could be the last time we get to race there.
1: No, we're. I'm uh, I'm in for
2: that
0: one. Oh, that's happening. Good
2: man. It's it's West Virginia, dude. It's West Virginia. How can you not want to be there? Yeah,
1: Yeah, even if we're not racing. It's right around
2: the street. It's right around the corner from your house.
1: It's literally right down the street. West Virginia is a big state. I've seen some of those rounds, and I'm like, oh, it's just West 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 Virginia. Virginia. (laughs)
0: Take like six hours to get to a place, and it's like 150 miles. Yeah. All right. Anyway, if you guys want to know. More about U.S. Sprint Enduro, SXCS, whatever the case may be, that will be linked down in the show notes. Check it out. We're putting this up on a Wednesday. Next race is coming up this weekend, so maybe you get uh, registered in time for it. Uh, Andrew, his Instagram, we will link that down in the uh, show notes below as well. Once again, I'm your host, Mario Orsini, joined by... Brian Boyer. We'll talk to you guys again soon.